the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast. Hey, how you doing? This is the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, the show 52, 15th of March 2012. The show is a year old this week and I'm coming to you for the last time from SW8. Good hair isn't enough. It never was. I know that now. So you made it. I'm glad. Thank you. I'm going to treat this show like my last day on holiday in Malta 91. It was the best holiday I ever had with uh, John C and the gang that I'd gone to uh, uh, junior school with. I was 19 and somehow I managed to, to... get to grips with a glass half full approach that last day and it came from me it didn't come from anyone else it came from me I knew I was going back to a lot of grief at home and my uh, second year of A-levels but I, I managed to enjoy that day is this going to be a marketing call is this going to be my aunt hello what a great start that was um what was I saying yeah Malta Malta 91 that last day that last day I enjoyed it I saved it I was sad that I was going I'd had the time of my life that fortnight in stark contrast to the six weeks that had preceded that in the uh, worst job I ever did that six week security job in the Docklands um, and that's how I'm determined this show's going to be it's the last show I'm going to enjoy it going to in the meantime though try and rein in my sign because that's got out of control puffing my cheeks out like Jimmy Page on stage despite my limited range of uh, facial expressions I always thought Jimmy Page looked a little smug whenever he was playing the guitar he used to do this weird thing with his mouth like what he was doing was so incredible which it was but uh, I felt he undermined it with the mouth so what's been going on this week? Uh, start of the week uh, on the main road, uh, just a couple of minutes away from me. Um, uh, bus stop heading uh, northbound. Uh, man uh, on the floor looked like he'd collapsed. Probably early 60s. Uh, looked like he'd had a heart attack. Paramedics attending. And I was just looking at this guy thinking, poor guy. Obviously none of us have a say in how we go out. Uh, unless you're going to Dignitas, really, which is what kind of appeals to me about Dignitas. Obviously, your reasons for going are not going to be great, but you're kinda, you are kind of get to choose. Very few people get to choose what day they're going to go out on. And I saw this guy lying on the ground, you know, dog shit city. I thought, what a place to go. Couldn't, have this, uh, couldn't this have happened to the poor man 10 minutes earlier when he might have been in his house getting changed, might have been around his family, someone would have been able to get to the police sooner. The kind of area this is, it may be someone sees you on the ground, uh, like I saw the dwarf on the ground a few weeks ago and just walked right past him, and, and assume that you were drunk. Um, I'm sure this man didn't deserve that to go out like that. Um, if that ever happens to me, I suspect for the first few moments that I was on the uh, on that dog shit splattered ground, I'd be trying to manoeuvre myself away until I realised I was dying. That was it. This is where it was all ending Sometimes at night when I can't sleep, and this is a recent development, I think about, I think about dog mess basically now. In addition to the dying, I mean, I think about death near enough all the time. I, I, I find the idea of death quite depressing. Uh, I think me and uh, Mickey discussed our fear of dying in the uh, final uh, Please Don't Hug Me show that we did last year. 
it's not just about that moment. It's about that fear I think we all have of being buried alive. I think that's what Mickey and I were specifically addressing. I think no one... I, I've, I've thought about it more since then. I, I think no one should be buried for the first three months. You, you get put in a big warehouse, a big freezer, no box. If you're alive at some point, you wake up. You're going to be cold. You get the shock of your life surrounded by decomposing bodies. It'd stink worse than anything I've been subjected to in the cafe. There'd probably be some lackey checking in every day to see if anyone's alive. Probably someone who's on a government work program placement, you know. But but this uh, this focus, this nightly focus on on dogmas is a new development in my life. I can't get that image out of my head. I visualise myself falling onto it. I battle to push these images of stained paving stones, local paving stones, out of my head. I'm really struggling with that. Um, I don't know what happened to this guy. I'm hoping he pulled through, but uh, it did make me uh, did make me think. You know, to go out like that in the street, not 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 good. Uh, bought a carrot from the local grocers just because I wanted to experience bartering. They were offering a, a pound for a whole load of uh, carrots. I just wanted uh, once. I just wanted a single carrot for my uh, salad. Offered it to me for uh, 10p. You should have seen this carrot though. It was a uh, it was a right state. It was. It reminded me of me in my final days in the hotel, dishevelled, miserable, beaten. I took the carrot away with me and then for the next few days found myself having to say hello to this grocer all the time. Uh, the shop is right next to the cafe. Now I used to live right at the back of the cafe a couple of years back. That That's the extent of my obsession with the cafe. I actually moved into the same building a couple of years ago. Uh, the first please don't hug me actually came from that flat. So uh, around that time, up until the summer of 2010, I was always in that shop. I'd say hello to the grocer's uh, business partner. Then when I moved out, I stopped it. I figured the hello would be eroded over time anyway, but I didn't want to wait until we were both in a situation where neither of us wanted to say hello. So I just stopped saying hello abruptly. I stopped shopping there. I cut all ties with that shop. So I didn't want this new hello starting up. And I feared that the other grocer, the one I used to do the hellos with in uh, 2009 to 2010, might have had a word with him and warned him that I'd drop him like a stone. So I, I just figured it'd be easier to stick with Sainsbury's for the carrots, not giving him a hello anymore. The carrots don't really merit the hello. They they were, I mean, it was a shocking, shocking carrot. Still walking in the meantime, same walk now for the last two weeks up Nine Elms Lane. I like it. Uh, industrial, bleak, you got Battersea Power Station. Uh, you've got this road. It's like St. Rule Street. Uh, I, I'm very curious. Uh, it's Kringle Street, I think. It's a shame I couldn't get Mickey on the show this week. He wasn't around. I'd like to have asked him what he knows about Kringle Street. I don't think it leads to anywhere. I think it just leads directly to the power station. But I walked down that road. Uh, I, I took some pictures, actually, um, at the start of that walk. Uh, Riverside Walk that uh, forks out onto uh, Nine Elms Lane. The apartments I always wanted to live in, big, white, and you know, made from glass, are across the river, uh, leading into Pimlico. And ev ever since I first saw that development, the only development, Riverside development, I really like around there, the only new Riverside development, um, I've always wanted to live there. If, if Gatsby was a Londoner, he'd live there, I'm sure of it. So I took these pictures, um, and then I see all these new developments when I'm walking down Nine Elms Lane. I see all these new developments coming up. And I kind of hope that something new 
can come into my life in, in the same way something new is coming into Nine Elms Lane, that at some point all the building work, all the dust will be gone and that all the new will make things that much better. I like that walk. I think of all the walks I've taken over the last year, I say all the walks, the four walks really, this final walk, this final route of mine, I think it's it's my favourite. There's nothing really to do around there except watch new stuff coming up like the Vauxhall Tower um, it's not very busy there's not many pedestrians around there so it's just a it's a bit of a punishing walk but I like it a couple of weeks back actually I walked through uh, Kennington which is uh, where I was born bizarrely even though it's uh, just 10 minutes from where I am now it's an area that I don't know that well even though I grew up around here I walked past a block of flats that used to be the uh, Belgravia Children's Hospital where I was taken to in uh, February 84 when I had my uh, first asthma attack. And I went to see a flat in this building um, in November 2010. It's still got the uh, Belgravia Children's, uh, Children's Hospital sign on the side. I might have mentioned this in one of the uh, Please Don't Hug Me hotel episodes from that time. And as I walked through the flat, it crossed my mind uh, how many sad things might have happened in this place. How many kids might not have pulled through their various illnesses or how many doctors and nurses might have had flings in there. You know, there'd be some kid maybe in the next room in an oxygen tent fighting for their life, and yet in the in the room that was now a kitchen, some doctor might have been copping hold of a nurse. It was uh, it was very strange. But uh, I guess it's the same where you are. All these uh, school buildings and uh, private hospitals that are being closed down and turned into developments, uh, flats and offices. It is quite weird. I actually live on the uh, site of an old factory. I think I mentioned that last week and uh, I'm sure that people who have lived around here for years can't believe that this is now uh, a block of flats. Trying to find a, a more interesting way of ending this uh, opening installment of uh, Show 52. It's beyond me. It's beyond me. I'm just going to stick a, stick a sting in here and we'll move on. I'm hoping uh, the next section will be an improvement. I was so psyched up for this. So psyched up for this. The problem is that the uh, I had to do the introduction three times. There was a police siren, which is uh, not uncommon, obviously, uh, around here. One of the reasons I stopped recording at night was because we had the uh, overhead helicopter that, you know, ever-present in South London sky. So uh, tried recording early afternoons in uh, recent months. Police siren, three takes, marketing call. Not the best to start. I'm hoping it's going to get better. Stick with me. You're listening to the Daniel Ruse Tyson podcast, show 52, Love, Loss and Lattes. Lots of lattes coming to you for the last time from SW8. Good moment in the cafe earlier this week. A woman, late 50s, came into the cafe with her younger daughter, late 20s, early 30s. I'm at my usual table, uh, the toilet table, and uh, she allowed her daughter to face me, which I thought was good. It, it's how it should be. The mum knows that nothing could ever happen between her and I. You know, not at her age, uh, not taking money into account, obviously. Um, so, you know, she recognised that it's her daughter's time now. She let her daughter face me, uh, an attractive man, admittedly struggling, uh, admittedly uh, from 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 the look of me, not sleeping properly, um, wearing the H and M or Tomnal uh, 2004 range 
but uh, you know, nothing to suggest that this can't be turned around. So she let her daughter face me. Uh, yeah, that's how it should be. I was in a job a couple of years ago where I was the where I was sat. I had my back turned to everyone and uh, facing the rest of the staff. Among them, uh, lots of young ladies. Uh, was a man in his fifties who. Uh, it was a confirmed bachelor, uh, had no uh, interest in uh, men or women, uh, but he obviously enjoyed having his back to the wall and being able to face everyone. He could do whatever he wanted at his desk. He was always going to see who was approaching him. Uh, meantime, good-looking guy like me had to have his uh, back turned. There were so many people there who were, who, who were denied the opportunity to see me, who maybe would have seen the back of my head, thought, that's an interesting hairstyle. A uh, bit dated. Uh, who is confident enough to uh, carry carry off such a dated look? And very few people were able to see me. Few people were able to see my nose. I think by then it was uh, two years into uh, this uh, fourth nose. So that was disappointing. But uh, pleased to see this uh, this woman in her late fifties uh, act as she did. A, a good example to all. Also. Uh, as I've said before, these waiters there, they, they work long hours, they do 12-hour shifts, it's like a, like a security job. And it just made me think, uh, they're always there in the cafe, it'd be so easy for their women to have affairs, it really would. It really would. I'm not sure I'd want to work such long hours somewhere, you're giving, uh, giving your woman too much of a, t too big a window really to do what they want. Time now for uh, the final Nose Hall of Fame and the first one since Christmas. Uh, Victoria Sponge 7 is back. She's probably harder to work with than Mickey, actually. A uh, bit of a falling out over my refusal to allow her to do Stephen Fry's nose for the uh, Christmas show uh, a few months back. This is not a, a celebrity wank fest, so I didn't want Stephen Fry. Never got, a, never got another nose for her. Had to push for this Mickey nose. Now, I, I sent her some pictures of Mickey. I can't remember how old the oldest pictures were. I was hoping that she might have, uh, and maybe she has seen a picture of Mickey as a kid when he really did have a big nose. Uh, Mickey's nose is fine now, but uh, like me, it's not the nose that he was born with. The sponge writes, Mickey's handsome nose reminds me of Michelangelo's sculpture of David. It is the epitome of masculinity, and I could stand and gaze at it for hours on end. You may well be given the opportunity after this, uh, Sponge. Uh, the strong, straight, sturdy nature of Mickey's nose is evocative of a noble Roman nose, a personal favourite of mine. <laughs> Whilst it is a, li a little large, he won't be pleased with that. Whilst it is a little large, it perfectly complements his other features. I'm assuming that she may mean his baldness. Uh, I bet it is one of the first things people notice. From what I can gather, this is not the original nose. I don't know who told her that. And the original nose was, <laughs> was somewhat larger. I am sad that nose had to go. I bet it was striking. I've admired this nose from afar for a while, and I am eager to get a closer look. But Mrs. Boydie is a formidable woman, and I don't dare cross her. Mickey's nose there. A condensed version of Mickey's nose. I, I thought there was going to be more to that. I thought there was going to be more to that. Thank you uh, to Victoria Sponge 7. So I've been uh, in recent weeks uh, been trying to get a, get a grips with the weekends to do more with my time, not to isolate myself. I think I'm on uh, three Saturdays in a row now going out. You know, I feel like uh, it's like I'm 25 all over again. 
uh, I was at uh, Big Green Books fourth birthday bash on Saturday in uh, Wood Green. I went there really uh, out of respect for what they're doing there. It's a, it's a very nice. There, there is a very nice community feel to that shop. Very unusual in my own experience to find a shop with that kind of feel. And also, last summer I, I had my best comedy gig there. Um, I went there. I took a. It, it took me forever to get there, as it did on Saturday. Uh, uh, and I was so comfortable there, and I had probably my 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 best gig there. It was a, it was a night when I wasn't in a rush to get back home. Really, I don't usually like hanging around afterwards at comedy gigs. I don't particularly like mixing in a comedic circle. Um, but it was a it was a good night. Uh, special place. Uh, obviously, I can't go there like I go to the cafe, partly because of distance. It is so far away, and also because I'd have to buy a book. That's that's not really going to happen right now. It was uh, it was lovely to see Simon, the uh, co-owner, again, uh, and Stuart, the fat man on a couch. We finally met uh, after almost two years of tweeting and having Stuart on the "Please Don't Hug Me." Finally met. I hoped that he would be there. I wasn't sure if he would be. And as I went down there with my mate, I saw a flash of silver hair outside, and I thought, "That's Stuart. It must be." And it was. And uh, it was really, really good to meet him. Very funny, engaging company in real life, as he is on the podcast and on Twitter. Even fixed me with a, a cranberry juice. So uh, it was it was, it was a good night, a nice night. Uh, it took us two hours to get there by bus. The thing is, I remember that journey to Wood Green in the late 90s. Uh, I had an ex that lived there. I hated the journey almost as much as uh, she hated me at times. But even on a tube, that was a considerable journey. That That Piccadilly line... Uh, to Turnpike Lane is an absolute killer. Takes forever. Takes forever. Uh, time for a final Nectar Points update. Now I'm racing through uh, points now. I, I think the way I blitzed to 500 points a few weeks back in record time has elevated me to a different level. I'm getting more vouchers given to me now by, by the cashiers. I'm, I'm so confident. I, I really feel like I know what I'm doing. Ever since I bought them two uh, chili con carne jars... Uh, for the price of one and got, I don't know how many points, 40 points, 80 points, I don't know what it was, but uh, that that's taken me to a different level. I'm now, my new points balance is 116. Uh, what did I open with? I only earned two points actually uh, this week. Previous points balance was 114. What did I buy? I don't think I have it here. I bought an A6 notebook. The hardback ones are out of stock. And I bought something else. It might have been an energy drink again. A Diet Blue Bolt. So that was a very low-key purchase. That was a bigger purchase earlier this week. But I can't find the receipt. But that's what you're leaving me on. 116 Nectar Points. I can work with that. I've worked with less. It doesn't scare me. It doesn't scare me. Job specs. Um... Pete is in touch. I, I, I myself, I've seen so many crap job specs, ridiculous job specs over the last week that I think I'm two days this week to recall specifics. So I'm handing this over to Pete. This is Pete's domain here this week. Um, Pete emailed in uh, with a, a, a job spec, a, quite a horrific job spec actually. Imagine it, develop it, achieve it. Uh, ridiculous and pretentious, by the way. Uh, do you have a specialist? Uh, do you have specialist lean skills? Do you want to work in a dynamic environment and make a real difference for patients? Meet new challenges. It's all within reach. Here at the Royal Surrey County Hospital NHS Foundation Trust, we are looking for a special person. A person who has proven hands-on leadership success and applied sustainable lean principles. What is that? And practices and has the ability and desire to make a measurable impact in the way healthcare is delivered 
here enterprise-wide. Having embarked on a significant and unique journey of becoming a truly lean hospital, you will join and lead an internal change leaders team dedicated to engaging staff from the executive suite to the bedside and reimagining and redesigning the way we work in order to transform the quality of care our patients receive. Working on significant cross-functional change projects, the successful candidate will have expert level lean skills and be a natural leader and thought partner to the change leaders team and the entire hospital with a track record in delivering tangible and sustained improvements in quality cost and delivery in diverse frontline environments candidates will be degree qualified and have the ability to build influential relationships at all levels that we're still not done here and share complex information in a language that is meaningful to all really we provide the ideal environment for you to enhance your talents Although this is a one-year fixed-term contract, future exciting career opportunities can be realised for those that have the drive and ambition to create and manage success. I'm, I've got to tell you, I'm still no nearer to knowing what lean skills are. What, 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 what are they? What, what, what is meant by that? Wow, I'm not sure. I wouldn't mind working in a hospital. I like the idea uh, when I wanted to volunteer, that's where I wanted to volunteer. Uh, never got past the first interview stage, but uh, I don't know what they mean by lean. That is that is strange. We'll have another job spec later from Pete. Time now for uh, Song Overkill, uh, how this works, how this has been working since last summer. Every week I ask you to uh, uh, get in touch with a song that you have overplayed this uh, last week and your reasons for overplaying it. Uh, mine... Really a song that I've only been playing for the last couple of days, a live version of Talk Talk's uh, Rennie uh, from the Montreux 86 uh, Jazz Festival, uh, where it's so apparent that this is a, a, a very different band to the norm at that particular time. A, a band that were very commercial and then decided that uh, that wasn't what they wanted to be. A band that effectively killed off their their careers really by going off and, and doing what they wanted to do which is something i i really uh, admire i think I, I like to think i've done a bit of that with this podcast but without enjoying the success that talk talk first did uh so that's uh my song i don't really know enough about the band beyond that i can't really describe the song i don't have the uh, words to describe that song but uh it's 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 a lovely song and i've been getting into that live album this week and there uh, there are uh, three or four songs on there that I, I, I really like. Uh, meantime, uh, we open your song Overkills this week with a brand new contributor. Uh, hello, Daniel. Stephanie here may be more familiar to you as uh, Steph uh, JL. I think that's one of Two Rivers' uh, sidekicks. Um, or rather, he may be one of hers. Um, it seems strange to be making my first contribution, says Stephanie, to your latest podcast, but I always thought I'd get round to it. And then before I knew it, here we are really... Uh, here we really are at the last episode. It's a real shame you won't be doing any more, as I always really enjoy them, but I'm sure you know your own mind best. I'm not sure about that. Not for the last couple of years. But, uh, you know, I'm still working on instinct, Stephanie. Uh, my contribution takes the form of a song overkill. I've been listening to Robin's eponymous album. I don't know who Robin is. Uh, and in particular, the song Be Mine, almost incessantly over the past few weeks. Robin is an artist I've always admired, and in my opinion, she is very underrated. Her songs are perfect, crystallised moments and elevate the pop song to the work of art it can be. Robin is not her most recent album, but I consider it to be her finest. Her style is delicate and understated, and moreover, ah, 
there's the first uh, moreover of the week thank you thank you for that it repays multiple listens which a lot of pop songs don't the reason i've been overkilling this song is due to romantic disappointment i always turn to robin in times of heartbreak as the contrast between her jaunty upbeat melodies and impassioned emotional lyrics reflects exactly how i like to deal with it by putting on a brave face and not letting people know i'm hurt it's not been a major disappointment just the loss of something that might have been but never was a wisp of something that instead of coalescing has slipped away between my fingers gonna take a pause field and uh, feeling a, a build-up of saliva here uh, where are we now um, it's okay yeah so it never was something a wisp of something that instead of coalescing has slipped away between my fingers back to the sentence that led to the build-up of saliva the lyrics of be mine almost exactly fit how i'm feeling to an almost painful degree in particular the line i'm helpless sometimes wishing is just no good because you don't see me the way i wish you would has stopped me dead while listening to the track in the street and left me in a wistful reverie i realize it's probably not the most helpful thing i can do continually using this song to prod at a painful spot but i'm hoping that the repetition will eventually act as a kind of anesthetic i wonder if uh uh, I'm assuming that uh, uh, Steph is either in her 20s or 30s. This won't be the first romantic disappointment she has suffered. Whether this is a song that she's used for earlier romantic uh, disappointments. Uh, perhaps perhaps her two rivers are, are Disgrace Firewarden, who uh, exchanges a lot of tweets with uh, Steph, can maybe recommend uh, a song for her that might help her get over this, uh, this difficult period. And, uh, you know... I think most of us have been there. It is a breakup. I get the impression from, from this it may not have uh, been that long a relationship. I, I, I don't know. Maybe Steph, as she says, is putting on a brave face. But uh, a breakup is as tough as a bereavement if it's that, you know, if it's with a person that you really uh, expected more from. You expected some permanence. So it can be tough. And uh, I wish you all the best with that, Steph. And uh, thank you for, for contributing even if it's just for the last show thank you the uh the lovely william stafford copyright mickey boyd it is with heavy heart that i send you this my final song overplay it is i want to be like you from the jungle book i've been playing this one another similar to it since the death of robert sherman last week he was half of the songwriting pair of brothers who provided many of the songs that filled my childhood jungle book mary poppins the arista cats chitty chitty bang bang I, I love Chitty, uh, Chitty Bang Bang as a kid. The uh, child catcher obviously was very, very scary. Uh, William continues, they are probably responsible for instilling in me a love of musicals. I know you don't care for the genre, but I've written a few of my time staged productions at the school where I worked and the Sherman Brothers were the benchmark. Is the song catchy? Are the lyrics witty? Does it move the story on or reveal character? I invariably fail to tick all of these boxes. I was genuinely saddened to hear of Robert Sherman's passing. Wonder if his brother Richard is after a new writing partner. I've, uh, I still haven't seen Jungle Book. There are so many films that I haven't seen as a, as a kid. Uh, my dad wouldn't take us to the cinema. I've seen loads and loads of clips of the Jungle Book, and I've sung the songs many, many times to myself, but uh, never seen the film. I didn't know that William had written musicals. I'd love to put on... I, I, it is... I mean, William's right. It's not uh, a genre I'm fond of, but I'd certainly be interested in uh, looking into the possibilities of a musical based on the life of... Uh, uh, Mickey Boyd, uh, a muscular musical, uh, a musical that looks at his uh, struggle with his uh, body shape and the eventual renaissance into the uh, 70s torsoed man that we uh, we know today. 
uh, Ella J. Jordan, uh, an old please don't hug me listener, uh, going down to Liverpool by the Bangles, a little known song after Manic Monday, uh, which was dwarfed by that awful uh, Walk Like an Egyptian song. Actually, I meant to Google. There was a Bangles song, a very early Bangles song. Was it Hazy Shade of Winter or Crazy Shade of Winter? I meant to Google that earlier, but I, I really liked that song. That was that was a really, really good song. Ella says, it's been stuck in my head all week. Nick, uh, Nick MB. Hi, Daniel. Thought I'd get one last song overkill in, especially since I've hit new loads of novelty music this week. Today's effort is the horrific Zombies on Your Lawn by Laura Shigihara. I wonder if that's uh, someone that the Shogun has been with from the uh, Plants vs. Zombies soundtrack. Yes, a song from an iPhone app. You can hear it here, although I understand if you don't want to. I actually had a listen, uh, Nick. I don't think... I can understand why you've listened to it a few times. It's not anywhere near as bad as I thought it would be. Uh, Nick continues, according to my last FM profile, which tracks my music activity, this is my most listened to song of the week with an inexplicable 57 plays. I'm really starting to pine for the days when I was just listening to rock covers of pop songs. Next week, I imagine I'll just uh, I'll start just overkilling TV theme tunes or something. Anyway, kudos for your work on the podcast. It's been great. Hope to see more from you soon, Nick. Uh, Nick, I also wish you all the best with your own writing endeavours. I know that... Uh, you're working hard at you on your end of things and you know any writer any creator out there it is tough it's tougher also if we have to juggle it with jobs that aren't there anymore but uh you know we just got to keep going we got to stay focused we got to keep going uh narnia uh has been in touch uh ebat daniel with this being your last podcast i know you'll probably have many contributions i hope you can fit me in so i'll keep it short I enjoyed your timestamp feature, although none of your dates were significant to my life. I was actually waiting on a timestamp from a Purple Helen, but I've not heard from her since uh, last night uh, because she tweeted me um, asking what the uh, timestamp for this week was, but I'd actually forgotten to include one, so I just said to her, look, uh, choose a timestamp and uh, I'll, I'll, you know, try and remember what I was doing that particular month or year, which I'm sure I won't, won't be a problem for someone as anal as me. Um, Narnia continues... My life is time-stamped to film and music. The train spot in soundtrack is also the soundtrack to my year of 96. It reminds me of the end of my school days and weekend spent working as a glass collector at the bootlegger pub. The Jackie Brown soundtrack is my summer of 98. Bobby, uh, Bobby, Booby? <laughs> Bobby Womack, Across 110th Street. That's a great song. Originally from the film of the same name. And on the Jackie Brown soundtrack is my song Overkill this week. 18 and college dropouts. My friend Lara and I would spend all day selling drinks and ices on the beach hoping but in vain to tan our bluey white flesh, at least one shade darker in the process. Then in the evening, waitressing at the at the what? Hawaii Night Cafe. I don't know who they were trying to kid. Adding Hawaii to this effing miserable Lincolnshire seaside town cafe did not in the least make it more appealing. And the addition of the 10-foot fiberglass palm tree, which turned out to be a bastard to clean, did in no way convince the holiday makers eating a fried breakfast at 11 at night before returning to their caravans that they were in a tropical paradise. We'd seen the film, and I bought the soundtrack, which we seriously overplayed in the cafe, and in Lara's crappy red Renault 5 with one mustard yellow door. Knowing all the words, the song is about struggling to survive in a world full of drugs and pimps, but it reminds me of the summer of 98 and the Hawaii Night Cafe. On our last night, whilst cleaning the cafe before closing for the winter, we sang and danced to Bobby Womack's Across 110th Street. Before you sign off for the last time, Daniel, what was the appalling song you'd been listening to a few shows back that was too embarrassing to reveal? I think uh, I'm going to 
keep that to myself. If there's one thing I keep to myself over the last year, it will be that. I will take that embarrassing song to my podcast grave. At least allow me that. Uh, Pete, as there will be no comeback from listeners on this song Overkill, I will go out on my darkest musical taste, early Genesis. Too young at the time I got into Genesis and the Phil Collins pre-solo slush Facts, divorces, period, and work my way backwards to the truly original but often bizarre Peter Gabriel era. You know what? I didn't mind Phil Collins in the 80s. Um, around 97, I think he did the uh, soundtrack to the Tarzan cartoon, and I saw a video, and I think the song was called something like Dancing to the Light. Here is this balding man by then pushing about 50, I think. His dancing is horrific. I mean, I can't dance. But if I try to dance, it would be better than that. It is awful. Go on YouTube. It's got to be on there. It is ridiculous dancing. Uh, back to Pete. Uh, when people drone on about how Lady Gaga is original, I can send them back to 1973 and watch their little sad eyes as they realise it's all very old hat. Supper's ready, weighing in at 23 minutes represents all that is wrong or right with Genesis, depending on your point of view. But I've chosen this particular clip as the end features probably the very first outing of Miss Ella Simone's infamous <laughs> cockbat. Uh, uh, Miss Ella Simone's uh, cockbat uh, ensures her house is perhaps more secure than uh, other houses. You wouldn't want to trifle with the uh, cockbat. I've seen a picture of it on uh, Twitter. It's, uh, I think you get a beaten from that you get a you get a real going over with that uh song overkill has introduced me to some fantastic new artists and some musical nightmares from which i will never recover in particular i'm thinking of the unique talent that is donny v brought to us by the broken genius of the east midlands billy two rivers thursdays will never be the same again thank you pete uh song overkill the next one is from the sponge naturally the sponge uh, being who she is uh, being as lax as she is doesn't name the song I have to do the legwork here fortunately for me along with New Order's Perfect Kiss it's my favourite ever song uh, Tears for Fears Woman in Chains I'm assuming that's the song that she's talking about I never thought I would see the day when I would one be listening to Tears for Fears two be suggesting it for this section uh, says the sponge however this is a truly beautiful song uh, with Phil Collins on drums by the way uh, and Elisa Adams has heartbreakingly uh, oh god here we go how many times have I told this girl to, to, to spell check her emails, at the very least? However, this is a truly beautiful song. Alita Adams' heartbreakingly gorgeous voice sends shivers down my spine. Roland Orsville also has a fantastic, deep, sumptuous quality to his voice. Also, I share the same hairstyle as Orsville for most of the 90s, but his locks are much shinier than mine. I wonder what kind of product he uses. You know something, that Orsible hairstyle, I first noticed that during the uh, spring of 90, Manchester was was raging, and I went to a party one Saturday night, and I started seeing all these guys with this hairstyle, perms, they were essentially perms, uh, with either a centre parting or a side parting, kind of bob length. It was a strange hairstyle, one I never really wanted. Uh, thanks for sharing your humorous and sometimes painful and difficult periods in your life. You've both helped and entertained in equal measures. You will be missed. Best of luck with all your future projects. The Sponge. Here's the thing about Orsville. Uh, as you know, I love the uh, Seeds of Love album. Uh, 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 a troubled recording. A troubled recording. Four million pounds it cost. Uh, they were forced into a, a world tour uh, by a record label desperate to recoup the cost. They'd fired about two producers. They ended up producing the album themselves. They'd scrapped the album a couple of times. 
they went back to uh, Kansas City to find Alita Adams, who they'd spotted in a in a bar one night playing the piano. They started from scratch. And it was a great tour. I've got the DVD. I, I killed that thousands and thousands of times. Even my mum knew the words. It was uh, on ITV's Cue the Music in the autumn of 91. And from then on, I killed this. I was still killing it till about three, four years ago. Thing is, Ausible toured that album with a f- huge facial ward. I mean, massive. You can see it on the Going to California DVD. You can YouTube it. Now, this in itself is no bad thing. He was only 30 at the time. Still no bad thing. It's, it, well, I think it. what's striking about it for me is the fact that he later had it removed. So it was obviously on his mind. It must have been on his mind all throughout the tour. And it begs the question, why not get it done before the tour or during the tour, before the filming started? They were playing big cities. They did South America. They did uh, North America. There would have been dermatologists in these towns. They wouldn't have been moving from one big city to the next. I'm sure they would have probably done two or three dates in each city. He could have done it. Day surgery, getting frozen off. I mean, you wouldn't want to sort of remove it yourself if it was on your face. Uh, I mean, this is no time to be going two rivers on that. This is this is more than a skin tag. But, uh, you know, that thing is on film now. 20 years on, might want his kids to see that. Might want his kids to see uh, the moment when Tears for Fears were really on top of their game kid might say dad what's what, what what is that on your face dad what is that on your face did they not have the technology the skills to remove that 20 years ago of course they did it was big enough to justify removing at some point between 1990 and 93 uh when i saw him play solo at a half empty uh wembley arena think donny v but on a on a bigger scale that thing that growth had gone when did he when did he decide to lose that was that after the split with kurt smith I don't know. It just uh it was a it was a strange one. A strange one. Uh thank you for all your uh song overkills. Uh I think I've got uh Williams uh, down here twice. Almost uh almost read that out. Uh thank you for all your song overkills. I hope you continue to um overplay those songs and revisit songs that mean something to you. And uh, maybe one day again, uh, we can we can share these songs we have overplayed to the point of uh, maybe never wanting to listen to them again. Show 52, the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast, coming to you from SW8. Now, uh, before I read out our disastrous Fire Warden's final missive, I asked one of his closest pals, Colin, uh, a.k.a. Crimson Avenger, on Twitter to give us some background on his uh, good friend, the broken genius of the East Midlands. Uh, Colin is close uh, to Two Rivers. He's, He's his mickey basically, albeit hopefully uh, more reliable. Uh, and similarly, uh, much like me, I think uh, Colin and I can relate to each, uh, each other. I, I, I'm cut out of much of uh, Mickey's life, never get the invites to his house and, and, and so on. And I have noticed that uh, Colin doesn't really get invited out to a few of Two Rivers' uh, big social occasions, the, notably the ones where the uh, washed-up 80s snooker nearly man Willie Thorne is present. Uh, Colin seems to be out of that loop a bit. Uh, Colin writes, don't make me laugh, but Billy Two Rivers Nine, a fire warden, I have been present when someone actually <laughs> set him on fire 
in a well-populated nightclub. Also, one of my everlasting memories is when the great man used to run the barbecue down our local pub. It seems like his firewarded skills were not yet developed at that time. I'm afraid the lad's health and safety wasn't paramount either. On many occasions, Jace had such a rush on his hands that the call of nature involved nipping behind the trees and then returning to flip burgers without the merest attempt at a wash of hands. That is disgraceful. Would I want this man to save me in a fight? I don't think I would. I wouldn't want his hands on me. He'd find me in some corner. I'd be choking, overwhelmed by smoke. I'd be saying, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Uh, Colin continues, I can report no one died as a result, though. Again, when adding the charcoal on many an occasion, the bags caught fire, resulting in a dance to rival Fred Astaire. Uh, no extinguisher in sight, I might add. Poking the litter down with his spatula also resulted in a nil death count. But once again, health and safety was remiss. Top times with a top bloke. Thank you, Colin, and thanks for uh, uh, meeting that request so uh, quickly today with no notice at all. I did try to get uh, Two Rivers on the show this week. I, I I don't know. I suspect his ego might be similar in size. He's a similar physique to Mickey. Two two big fellas. I suspect his ego might be similar in size to, to Mickey and that he, he could have come on. Hopefully better prepared, though, than Mickey. I, hopefully I would have been able to get a, a better level of performance from Two Rivers. Uh, on Skype than I do from the uh, one quarter man three quarters 1970s uh, southeast London and Kent borders uh, cabbie uh, I'd like to have asked Two Rivers if I'd got him on the show how he would play things if he saved a damsel in distress from a fire would he check up on her from time to time on the pretext of seeing how she was all the while angling for a drink with her is that you know would he would he exploit his role as a fire warden that's you know my curiosity would be in that that area uh, Two Rivers writes Hi Daniel, uh, the final scene of Fools and Horses showed Dell and Rodney back at their empty flat in Mandela House after having made their millions. A solitary phone started ringing. It was Monkey Harris with 250 knockoff carpet steamers for sale. After his initial excitement at the proposition, Dell's face sank. He picked up the receiver and said with heavy heart Sorry, Betrotter's independent traders are no longer trading. The sadness I felt when watching that for the first time <laughs> is very much mirrored by this your final podcast the sound of, sound of you moaning your ass off every week for the last six months has has become as much a part of my life as the exploits of the trotters did in the 80s and 90s he is full of shit isn't he oh fire warden i know you're not big on receiving praise but i can't go on without saying how much i've enjoyed not only the podcast but all of your work since finding you on twitter at the back end of the summer last year I've given up on trying to understand exactly why I find the show so compelling and moreover, kitching, why your style of presenting and writing makes it kind of acceptable to laugh at some of the pretty dire situations that you have encountered in recent life. You have a totally unique talent, which I cannot believe can possibly go unnoticed for, for much longer. Having said all that, I've been saying similar things about Donny V for the last 25 years so i guess in reality you could well be fucked joking aside i wish you all the very best in getting your life back on track and will be the first in line to support any of your future creative ventures it seems inappropriate to bang on about safety advice this week instead i have something more profound for you and your listeners to hang on to as my final parting words enjoy life embrace it treat each new day as a new beginning but wherever you are Whatever you are doing, just be mindful of where the fire exits are. Remember, <laughs> remember to keep fire doors closed at all times. And so, for the very last time, be alert, be aware, and be safe. The Broken Genius 
of the East Midlands. I want Two Rivers to do something for me after he listens to this show. I want him to go out and buy some hand gel. I'm not... I'm, I'm discomforted by the uh, the, the stories uh, the Avenger has told us <laughs> about his uh, personal hygiene at barbecues. But uh, thank you for all the uh, fire safety advice. You know, sometimes I lie in bed at night and there are lots of flats here and I'm on the second floor. And uh, to be honest, uh, I, I think I'd have uh, more chance of escaping uh, from a fire in the basement of some barley club there than I would in this house and I lie awake at night often and I think can I uh, on the basis of the advice Two Rivers has been given this show over the last uh, few months can I survive a fire in this building I don't think so I, I don't think I'd know what to do I, my last uh, no my penultimate job sent me on a fire training course as well and I, I couldn't get to grips with it I, I think I'd just be resigned to my fate uh, the boys uh, from Bark Pamphlet. Uh, hello, Daniel. Just a quick note to wish you all the best in your post-show endeavours. Intrigued to know why it's admin and secretarial roles you're pursuing rather than anything involving the written word. And that's simply my, my, my work doesn't sell anymore. I've, I've, I've tried. It's not selling right now. I have to accept that. Uh, that's not to say it'll stay that way, but uh, I just need to get some money in, basically. Uh, moreover, hey, I'm loving the way you guys have stuck to the moreover. Moreover, intrigued to know what they say to you at the job centre when you hit them with evidence of applying for scores of jobs every week. Ever asked to work at the job centre? Uh, we came to the podcast late like our released Chelsea fans, but we'll miss it all the same. Uh, keep the creative outlets open. The rest is drudgery. Remember to enjoy the little moments, the lattes, the good TV, the just-washed bedding. That's been a while, fellas. Uh, the trembling buttocks of Jessica Ennis. That is that is a great ass. Yeah, I'd scale back the lattes for an ass like that. Not me. I've got I I myself have an ass like that, but a woman with an ass like that. I mean, I won't be watching the Olympics out of some half misguided principle. But if anything could get me to even sneak a glimpse at the Olympics, I think it would be Ennis's ass. Uh, keep on keeping on the beautiful boys of Bark. Uh, I've uh, told you before you want to get reading their stuff it's uh, it's uh, a, a great magazine a bark pamphlet you can find them online and uh, I, from what I understand from what they've told me they are uh, looking to to, to, to to grow what is a, a very good product so uh, you know follow them on Twitter at bark pamphlet check out their site um, and uh, I'm confident I'm confident bark pamphlet will go on to uh, uh, bigger and better things themselves. Uh, job spec uh, time again. Pete, uh, this is one for a senior program manager's job in an investment bank. Text is the original shortened to prevent brain death. Commentary in brackets. Uh, this is an excellent opportunity for a manager who has a wealth of experience managing medium to large projects which have possibly uh, been cross-functional. <laughs> Yeah, that is confusing. Uh, Pete says there, the spell checker doesn't always work, does it? Try proofreading your work. Uh, essential requirements, experience working and leasing with senior stakeholders. I think she means liaison. That is incredible. I've taken to reporting these uh, badly spelt uh, job specs now. I mean, they just I find them infuriating that you know people in jobs are actually putting these out there and uh, people without jobs are having to suffer them. Uh, this is a very unique position and a very good opportunity. No, it's not unique, says Pete, and it's certainly not very unique. Uh, how did we get to this? 
It is not being out of work. That is the worst part of this recession. It's reading this sort of shit on a daily basis and then hearing companies say they can't find the right people. Somewhere there are jobs to be done and people who want to do them. But to, uh, but to make that more difficult than it should be, they employ talent managers, the new name for HR, adds Pete, and recruitment consultants who seem to have no idea of real work, think every new job is an exciting or fantastic opportunity, and who seem to have no command of the English language. That is very true. Uh, recruitment consultants, you know, outside of my freelance work, I've, I've been doing the uh, temping thing since the uh, mid-90s. And I think the first ever recruitment consultant uh, at Alfred Marks may have well have uh, been the best recruitment consultant that I ever had it, or, or it may have just been that I fancied her. I, I, I don't know. But since there may be three or four consultants who were any good to me personally, when you ran into trouble at work, in my case, that was often they didn't really come out to bat for you either. They, you know, they were just interested in the money. It's uh, and it's harder to deal with them now. And they've explained it to me that because there's a shortage of work now, that they're actually going out and looking for the work uh, rather than uh, you know that they're, they're approaching businesses rather than waiting for businesses to approach them. And I understand that it's they've got to be more aggressive now, but it just means that relationship between consultants and uh, their workers has just broken down. You know, I see all my agencies advertising all these jobs. I'll forward my CV to them. I never hear anything. I'm not saying that I'm the best person for those jobs that I'm going for because I don't think I am. Uh, I don't think I have the skills. I think my best chance is to get an interview, be the wild card in the pack, and hopefully someone gives me a chance. But uh, these consultants aren't even putting me forward for these roles. That's, that's the frustration. That's the frustration. So something it's going to have to happen that has probably not happened before. I mean, I'm in new territory here. This this last year has it's it's new. This is a very new situation to 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 someone like me, you know, who's been around for a while. The lovely William Stafford, copyright Mickey Boyd. Hello, Daniel. I hope you are well. And so the DRT podcast comes to the end of its run. Dispatch the dignitas before it starts to leave stains on the soft furnishings. I will miss it. It has been a real pleasure to have you accompany me on my stroll to Tesco's or keeping my mind busy while I slave away at the ironing. I can't remember the last time I ironed, William. I think it might have been uh, jobbing at the user at the uh, start of February. Um, it has been a privilege to be privy to some of your innermost thoughts, some of which I recognize from my own head. This has been a source of strength and support in my own times of trial. And also, the podcast has been good fun and I have enjoyed making my humble contributions. There's been nothing humble about them, uh, Mr. Stafford. I shall sorely miss my name being prefixed with the lovely. I might have to get it legally affixed so everyone has to say it. Uh, thanks for plugging the book. I don't know how many copies have sold so far, but it's exciting to see it going up and down the historical fantasy chart on Amazon like a frog on a bungee. Uh, rope in a lift and so tata but only for now i will keep in touch your avid listener and friend the lovely william stafford follow william on twitter at william stafford for more news on his book and possibly the odd cock innuendo that he always catches me out with and manages to sneak onto the show but i've looked at uh, this week's uh, email again i don't think there's an innuendo in there i think uh, i don't think william's caught me out this week uh, I was hoping to have uh, Mickey's uh, review of Leporello on the Lamb, William's uh, debut novel, uh, which you can get on Amazon, uh, but uh, not heard from Mickey, uh, not heard from Mickey uh, with the review. You know what, that is, uh, that's a moment though, William has been, he was with Please Don't Hug Me from very, very early on, and well, that's 20 months ago now, 
in that time, he, you know, he's had his own trials and uh, tribulations. And, you know, as we end this, as we wrap this all up, this man's got a novel out. You know, that should inspire all of us. This man's a writer now, a professional writer. You know, we can all turn this around. We can all, you know, we all have a comeback in us. William has shown that. Tweet from uh, Eamon, uh, blimey, last time I end of an era, thank you for the honesty. Uh, if you go on the blog around January uh, around January time, you will find Eamon's coin football game rules uh, still up on there. A, a game that Eamon played, I think, uh, during the, uh, uh, I think the uh, high unemployment years of the early uh, 90s, if I remember rightly. And so, uh, coming to, I think, the end of the show... During the end of the show, let me just have a look at what's left on the running order. Maybe not quite near the end, but uh, it's time for the Shogun. <laughs> a man who has divided opinion. A man who's raised the hackles of many female listeners. Uh, probably, as I said last week, may I, I may have played a, a, a role in that. Uh, I don't think I bigged up his exploits. I, I, I think his exploits were there to to listen to that I, I i can't even remember how this correspondence started anymore i i, I really really can't I, I don't even know if i instigated that i may well have done i don't know daniel so this is the end of the podcast you know what i'm thinking here I'm, he he is very keen mr gaffey he's keen on the podcast i feel like the podcast is maybe something he's incorporating into some of his evenings with the ladies there may be women that he is unsure about it may be eight in the evening out there. He's thinking, I, I'm not going to go out tonight. I'm not going to see these ladies. I'll, I'll, I'll stay in. I don't, I don't have to have sex every night. I'm not Julio Iglesias in the late 70s. I, 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 I can ride this out. And he thinks, you know what? No, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna tick that box. If I have that moment where, when I've finished, I, I realise I really don't like her and I want to go, I'll, I'll leave, head back, and on the train. I'll listen to the show. I think the show might be a part of that. It might be a part of that. It, it might help him forget some of the stuff that he's doing. I don't know. Uh, the Shogun continues. I must say I'm disappointed as, I've, uh, as I have enjoyed listening immensely, but can't help but feel the last few podcasts have coincided with a noticeable slide into deeper despair. Still, your need to get work through Sex in the City outweighs any selfish desire us listeners have to get a weekly instalment of Unpaid Tizen. I'm sad that you felt a backlash from female listeners towards my emails. I guess it's understandable. I think if I'm to search with the level in, of introspection you seem capable of, I still come up <laughs> to not giving a toss. But I guess that's just me. I've been called worse than Prosti Putigolfo, which any normal person would surely struggle to say without sounding immensely pretentious. But being called a whore, slut and prostitute isn't really a bad thing for a guy anyway. We are, after all, genetically hard-coded <laughs> for such activity. <laughs> And regardless of the jibes about STDs, I simply don't <laughs> I simply don't have any, which seems to be irritating the hell out of some people. Now, about my marriage. I think it would be safe to say you know nothing about it, but I can't hold that against you as, a, as I'm not going to delve into it further on your podcast, and I did after all write into you. I would wager that the South American hasn't waited two years to set herself straight, though. No, I, I'll wager she didn't either, Mr. Gaffey. Uh, I, I was actually... Uh, I tweeted, well, not, not specifically uh, in regards to this, but I, I tweeted earlier today um, about whether, regardless of gender, do you sometimes think about your exes, you know, man or woman, 
uh, and wonder whether any of them in a, a moment of boredom, perhaps in a you know in a, in a cafe, uh, grab a, a napkin, scribble down the the men or the women they can remember shagging, and gradually begin working out which of their lovers would win in a, a round robin scrapping matchup. It worries me if any of my exes did that. I'd be concerned they'd have me bottom of the group like uh, like you get the Italians every year in the Six Nations. And where would they leave it? How far do they take this round-robin thing? Do they leave it as a league system? Do they go all the way and introduce a semis and a final like the 82 World Cup? I don't know. I think I would do that. If I was a, if I was a girl, I, I think I would grab a napkin and probably uh, see which of my uh, boyfriends was the hardest. No innuendo there intended. Uh, back to uh, our man in Japan. Uh, catching up is precisely what I'm doing, whether you approve of the semantics or not. People part for all kinds of reasons, and I don't see there being much difference in not wanting to be with someone over still having stuff I want to do. Uh, I was rambling last week, Mr. Gaffey. Um, in retrospect, I don't think I was saying don't, or if I did, what I meant was don't let it be the prime motivation behind breaking up with someone. I, I would imagine... There should be a motivation behind breaking up with someone. There should be a, a, a bigger reason. But, you know, I don't think the biggest reason should be that you simply want to go out and start banging anything. Um, I think I've, I've been in that situation before. I think you lose yourself in that. I don't want to be that, that, that shallow. And I don't think you are either. Moreover, loving the moreovers here, people. Thank you for those of you who hit me with the moreover. Moreover, my man tits aside, I'm not a bad catch to some, and don't consider women to be an unobtainable prize simply because I don't acquire a level of self-perceived status in society. They can take or leave me as they find me. Uh, portfolio update, uh, Rich Divorcee, I'm leaving that alone. The leggy exec, I'm leaving that alone. I think uh, Mickey, Mickey had said that that would be his number one target, the leggy exec. Uh, the Cameroonian still in contact uh, via Skype, ironically, adds, uh, adds the Shogun. Uh, <clears throat> she is a delightful young lady who's happy with my flabby chest. Things, uh, oh sorry, the delightful young lady who's happy with the uh, flabby chest. Uh, this is the lady, you remember, who's uh, uh, made uh, funny remarks uh, about Mr. Gaffey's uh, moobs. Um, things are developing nicely. Uh, if this, if there was another show next week, I think what I'd want to hear from uh, Mr. Gaffey was, has this young lady's uh, ability to laugh at his man breasts made him feel far more comfortable uh, around her? Does it allow him to show another side of his personality that perhaps he's not allow, uh, able to show the Cameroonian? I mean, how is the Cameroonian with his man breasts? How are these other women with his man breasts? Is he one of these guys who keeps his top on? I don't know. Uh, so many questions I want to ask this man. Uh, as I said before, continues uh, Mr. Gaffey, additions and subtractions can be made and nothing is ever certain. One of these days I might finally cotton on and calm down a bit, but 35 is not too old by any stretch. If you think so, you may as well already be dead. I guess as sad and as tragic as it may seem to some, I'm not shagging my way through the east to find the one. I'm just shagging my way through the east. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I will leave up to you, the Twitterati and Trisha. I sincerely wish you the best and hope you find the happiness and success an immensely talented man like you so richly deserves your friend in Japan. One of those uh, listeners I wish had uh, probably come to the show a, a, a bit earlier. Uh, maybe at some point, uh, probably with considerable difficulty, we could have moved on beyond 
Mr. Gaffey's sex life and perhaps discovered more about life in uh, in Japan. You know, quite possibly uh, my fault that. Um, that's uh, yeah, that's our that's our last missive uh, from our man in the east. Coming up to the uh, hour mark, time to wrap this up. So uh, my situation, similar in some ways to what it was uh, a year ago in other ways. Lots of changes, lots of hard work, lots of thinking, lots of long nights, lots of sleepless nights. Lots of bad nights, lots of bad days. But, you know, change. Change, trying to find a way to change, trying to find a way to keep on changing without losing sight of what I am or need to be what I can be. Still out of 9 to 5, uh, volunteering at a, a theatre, checking the tickets of teenagers with ridiculous fringes, realising that there's every chance I'm older than their dads. I'm wearing misshapen jumpers from Primark. You know, when I talk about uh, embracing the future, when I talk about being optimistic, I'm not really speaking from a position of strength. You know, I'm, I'm going to keep going because that's I've said that all the while over the last year. That's all I can do is to keep going. The frustration is that any changes are slow. How much of that is down to me and how much of that is down to just the situation that many of us are experiencing now? I don't know. Plans uh, over the next few weeks to return to stand-up. You know, seven months away has, has been too long. I think I need to do something... Uh, my self-esteem I, I think I need that now I'm not sure if that's the best reason for doing it I need something more where the feedback is maybe more immediate than the podcast where I'm doing something that gets me out of the flat I admitted something to myself last week I, I might have hinted at it on the show but uh, I told myself last week you know I hate this flat I hate being here it's why I never really invite anyone around I don't want to be here myself why do I want to be in here with other people you know, got the upstairs neighbour driving me nuts. But at the end of the day, I'm here. I've adapted to it. I've been here ten and a half months now. I don't know whether I'll go beyond the 12. I don't know whether I'll be given a choice or not. Um, you know, may well be I'm told to go by, by the Lettons agents. You know, I don't have the best relationship with them. But uh, if that's the situation, is it really any worse than what I've come back from? I don't think it is. I'm not that scared by, by that thought. Being in this place for ten and a half months has been a, a very, very big thing for someone as restless as me. Someone who's ended up with a life that they didn't really expect to be living now. But what I'm trying to do now that I'm living my life in this way and that I know that I'm you know, I'm on my own is to try and find a life that is acceptable to me, a life that is enjoyable to me. And that, you know, slowly but surely that, that need to be around people is, is returning because I know that that is essential. You know, I need that. I can't just be isolated myself. If I had a choice, I'd probably, you know, I'd just get up from this chair right now and start boxing everything up, stick it in storage and keep moving. I, you know, someone like me will always have that inside them, that capability to just, you know, rough it in bags. I, I don't know if that's anything to do with growing up and, you know, spending 24 years trapped in the same house, you know, a bad house, a cold house, a wet house. 
knowing that we were never all going to get out of there as a family together, and we didn't. I don't know if there's some of that has got anything to do with with how I feel about being in one place for a for a particularly long time. But uh, you know, ten and a half months, it's it's good. It's some stability. Um, there won't be a season two of the podcast. I hate that shit. I'm not American. I I never intended for to ever do a, an end of series show. There are no series. If I had the money, I would simply have taken the break I needed after getting to 52 shows, then come, you know, returned with a, with a show 53. There's no series one, no series two. If I find a sponsor, I come back with that show 53. I'm not going to pretend a, a season two was always part of the plan. You get podcasts that do eight or nine episodes, they disappear, they fall out with each other, they come back after patching things up, they hit you with that season two, return of the whatever blurb on iTunes. These shows should just be honest. They stopped because they either ran out of money or they realised how much hard work it was or they they fell out with each other. If I come back, it'll be the same show. I'm not looking to, to change the show. I'm looking to change my life. I'm looking to, to, to be a happier guy, but I'm not looking to change the show. There'll be no bullshit. The only thing I can't guarantee is whether I came back with the same nose. That's the only thing. This is simply a show that is being curtailed by the sorry demands of a, of a difficult life, uh, a difficulty that you know many of the listeners uh, share right now. This last uh, 15 months was uh, about accepting many of the things that had happened. It's about accepting that I'd never see Latin America again. It was about accepting that Match was gone. It was about accepting the impact that Matches passing had not just on me, but on his family, on his other close friends, on all of us. It's uh, about accepting that I will never have the skill nor inclination to dismount from a moving bike. It was, it's been about accepting the mistakes I made, uh, accepting that I broke down, finding that strength to come back, accepting that in a difficult situation I found that strength that I don't want to do this again. It's about realizing that I could still do something and be someone. That though it feels like it won't change, I won't be in these same clothes forever, that at some point something is going to change. And when it does, I'm going to be ready to put into play the changes that I've made in my own life that I've been talking to you about making over the last year. There have been frustrations with the shows. Uh, the, the way I'm built, I'm not inclined to give myself a pat on the back for too many things. iTunes, even now, an absolute nightmare to deal with. For an organisation where podcasts are such a big, big thing, they have no department devoted entirely to podcasts, which I'm sure every podcaster, myself included, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd cut back on the lattes to, to if I had to pay a subscription fee to some iTunes podcast service where things could get sorted out very quickly. This last couple of weeks, I've had disappearing logos, both for this show and Please Don't Hug Me. I changed the logo for this show. They didn't accept the new logo for whatever reason. No one's told me why. Suddenly I had, <coughs> excuse me, no logos appearing. I was in the charts for a hundred days last year when the show had just started, when the show was nothing, when it had a fraction of the listeners it has now. I changed the logo last summer, try and make a new push on publicity, and suddenly I'm out of the charts. 
never get back in, even though the downloads have been astronomical the last few weeks. They've been no support whatsoever. I mean, this week I get an email from a from a uh, a girl in Ireland working for iTunes. Nice email. I like the show. You know, blah blah blah. Too late, really. You know, I could have done with someone in iTunes fighting my corner at any point in the last year. Today is ironic, you know, considering that last week was the the shortest show, perhaps the worst show I've done in the last year. I mean, last week I just recorded early morning. I just wanted it out of the way. I had really nothing to say. There was only a show because of all the uh, emails that I had. The last uh, couple of weeks been smashing download records for this show. Still not in the charts, still not in the new and noteworthy charts, and yet when the show was nothing, I was in there every week. It is, it is strange. It's a, it's a, it's a system that I don't understand. At the same time, 36 reviews in 52 weeks, that's not going to help either. You know, I was constantly trying to push this show to raise its profile so that I could, you know, try and attract sponsorship. I turned down offers from a couple of individuals because I didn't want to be beholden to individuals I, I didn't want to feel answerable to anyone I, I don't want to change the content of the show in an age where you know where there were jobs if I was getting a decent rate uh, uh, you know a pay cut really I mean the last three years I think most of the jobs I did except one which involved a ridiculous pay rise I was taking pay cuts all the time but I was still making at least a hundred pounds a day so that's the minimum I'd be looking for from a sponsor I don't know who's going to pay that you know, I'd plug whatever gimmick I needed to plug so long as it wasn't something I, you know, took personal issue with. I, I could plug it on the show three or four times or take offers from advertisers. That's it. It's unlikely that's going to happen. And I know that by saying this is the last show, that I know that I'm backing myself into a corner here. But I, I don't want to mess listeners around. I don't want to leave this open-ended. I'm not going to bust a gut trying to bring this back. There's 52 shows, a whole body of work. 52 shows a show a week from the most difficult period of my life and going back before that the the hotel shows the please don't hug me shows another uh, 26 27 shows of those and then we continued that at the same time as continuing this show two shows running simultaneously we took please don't hug me up to 50 shows it's over 102 podcasts you know, there's a whole body of work. Someone wants to, to back my work, great. Meantime, I need to get going with what, unfortunately, are more pressing things right now. I'm also still pursuing this uh, live uh, radio show. Uh, not the easiest of uh, people to deal with so far from, from what i am uh, uh, experienced so far. But uh, a meeting penciled in for Tuesday, if it happens. I, I want to get some live uh, studio experience, if I can. I'm looking forward to talking face-to-face with friends. Sometimes on the rare occasions that I see them, they'll ask me how I am. And I forget myself and I launch into the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast. All that's missing is the, hey, how are you doing? You know, it'll be good to speak to people and have what I'm saying sound fresh, feel fresh. I can make it sound fresh. I'm good at making things sound fresh. But it will feel fresh to me and that will make a difference. I won't be repeating what's already gone out to thousands of listeners. Um, I want to end with an email from Pete that came in today. I felt the show really kicked on from the from the summer, maybe in the turn, you know, just after the riots. Um, I did lose uh, one friend actually in relation to the show, which uh, you know I'm I'm sad about that, that happened in show twenty, a close friend, 
I think from around show 30 started to pick up a lot of new listeners uh, of which I think Pete was one the two rivers um, and this new wave of listeners complemented the uh, contributors from the uh, first 30 or so shows anyway uh, Pete Pete writes Daniel as it's the last show I wanted to, to say thank you this is the show that picked me up and put me back on my feet that made me realize I wasn't alone this is the show that put me in touch with so many great people on Twitter. This is the show that reminds me that there are thousands of really talented people out there not getting the breaks they deserve. This is the show that introduces me to new music, new TV and new writers. This is the show that will be missed more than anything. I'm sad this is the last podcast, not just because it's ending, but because you don't appear to feel it's been worthwhile or successful, that it's just a vanity project. Let me tell you, it isn't. I hope you enjoy a break, but most of all, I hope you don't give up. You're too talented to be lost in a piss-pot 9-to-5 job. I hope you listen back to your show with Nina, think about what she was getting at, and keep moving forward creatively. Clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. Pete. That's uh, that's a beautiful email, Pete. And uh, as with all you uh, listeners, uh, not having the best of times at the moment, I hope that uh, you all carrying on working towards what you're trying to work towards and get what you uh, what you do deserve so you've had a year of my life trying to come back from a, from a hard period uh, a, a period that's uh, changed me in a way that other periods that should have changed me didn't change me I've tried to be as honest as possible with you with myself it's uh, done me no favours on the employment front at all, I, I, I know that, I mean I've got a real problem there, you know, I'm not where I was three, four years ago where I could have given the kind of interviews or done the kind of shows I've done you know, I've got a bit of a problem there on that front now, I don't know how I get around that, but I, I don't regret it um, the target was 52 shows after that a break unfortunately the break part that's that's going to be uh, that's going to be a long thing. Um, I need my Thursdays back. Just that realization that this is please don't hug me all over again. Taking my eye off the ball, watching things slip and slide, misplaced priorities. I can't do that again. If it was advancing my career, great, but it hasn't really. And uh, you know, I'd like to get to that point where I, I look back at this and, like Pete says, don't feel it's a vanity project that I that I can. I can find a way to appreciate this. Everything I uh, do, and I'm not trying to finish on a downbeat note, I'm not, because I am proud of this, um, but it's that pattern of everything that I do suffers from a lack of funding. Uh, this has been no different, but I've learned a lot about myself from doing it, and that's been worth the hassle. I've met and heard from a lot of fantastic people. Quite a few of you have been with the show from the beginning. Quite a few of you were even with please don't hug me from the beginning uh, naturally picked up a lot of nut jobs along the way too I guess taking their lead from the, from the host uh, some of whom had to be discarded along the way and I'm sad I'm sad that the show is ending it is the right decision there's the phone there is the phone another marketing call what's the bet that was BT uh, offering me a free evening uh, free evening calls uh, deal if I sign up with them for another year uh, given I get about 10 marketing calls a day I told them I wasn't going to be uh, doing that uh, took the opportunity though to uh, refresh my nose with the uh, VIX inhaler 
uh, trying to remember where I was now, what I was uh, saying. Obviously, I could have unplugged the phone. I don't know why I don't. I don't think I've ever had as many calls during a show as I have today. I think I was saying, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm surprised. I thought I'd just be feeling relief that this show is finishing, and there is that. But I'm also, I think, feeling sad, and that's, that's caught me by surprise. If this was a show where I could uh, turn up to a studio ready to record and some hotshot producer's pressing all the right buttons and splices it together, uploads it, publicizes it, then I, I could have done this every week for years. I really could have and, and built it up even more than I have. But I'm writing it, I'm presenting it, getting the contributions, recording, editing, uploading it, publicizing it, receiving texts from Mickey on a Thursday night asking me if the show's out. It's too much for someone in my situation. It's a, it's a seven to eight hours uh, a day thing, a, a week thing. It's a, it's a job. It's a job. I'd give up every single nectar point I have earned in my life to be able to have this as a job because it would be a job that I love, but it's not something that I can have in my life in this current situation. It's disappointing. I gave myself a hard time over the last year, berating myself for the mistakes, for what they cost me, but I also know that I'm good at a number of things. I'd go into a room and go head to head with any of the best Oxbridge TV comedy writers, and you know, at my best, I don't think many of them could live with me because their lives are too comfortable. And I think my my humour comes from my discomfort, my all too real discomfort. And I know that I can do radio. I know that I can do podcasts. I know the way I see things might at times be misguided. But I know it's different. I know it works. This isn't Radio 4. This is the real world. This is the everyday struggle of the little man with the big hair and the wonderful nose. Everything I've ever worked on could have been better had I uh, had I not lived with the pressure of someone from my background. The, the things that someone from my background has. Housing is always an issue. I, it's not just uh, council level rent that I have to find. I have to find private rents you know, every week. That's always going to be hard for someone who doesn't have the skill set to, to, to survive in a 9 to 5 environment. When I was on my game, the work that I produced was, was quality, but looking back, if I'd been able to work in more comfortable surroundings with a more comfortable life, the, 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 the type of comfortable life some of my compatriots in the writing industry had, my, my work would have been even better. At the same time, I'm honest enough to to hold my hand up and say there were there were times when the work I was putting together wasn't good enough, and, and not just after the breakdown, not when things were going wrong and I was getting kicked off projects. You know, there were periods before where the work wasn't great, and it wasn't just because I was... Uh, there were there were times when I was rushing things because I was desperate to get out of Mayflower, and, and in that sense, yeah, the work was being affected by my surroundings. But there was work as well that just wasn't good, regardless. You know, so I'm not laying the blame for everything out of people's door. There, you know, I've got to take my fair share of it. So, you know, I'm off to turn forty, and uh, it appears also I'm about to be incorporated into the government's two-year work program which uh, was a shock to me when I thought it was just two months. I got a shock that day, I can tell you. I'm hoping that perhaps one day uh, when I'm waiting for the bus and my way to Lidl's, I can't even say that, probably Lidl's, that two-year shelf-stacking placement that I might have that moment where 
I touch in my Oyster card and I feel a burst of pride at what I've come through, what I've achieved in turning this show out every week for the last year, starting with those first seven shows from uh, John C's uh, place in deep in South London. You know, and yeah, I've got my own place, but I miss my time at uh, John C's. Um, you know, it was, you know, it was good to be around people. And uh, I got my head back together there. I'd had that time at uh, you know Marcus's that helped me enormously, gave me somewhere when things were desperate, and I was starting to get my head together by the time I went to John C's, and that calmed me down. And you know I got my confidence from John C. I was worried that I'd make a mess of things here on my own again. And he told me, no, you'll be okay. You will be okay. He assured me, and you know I, I have been okay. I mean I've been bored, but I've been okay. Those unstable days you know I put them behind me but uh, yeah I've missed you know being around people I've missed putting my key in the door and hearing voices and eating with people you know I can eat with people I, I don't like eating in front of people if I if I've known people for a long time now I'm very comfortable with it and uh, that was that was that was a nice thing so maybe this is how we need to end it before we get bored with each other. Just remember how much we enjoyed one another. I'll go off now and uh, continue rebuilding. You'll quickly meet another podcast. The Shogun will, that's for sure. He won't hang around. I hope you'll all uh, take care of yourselves. I've uh, you know, come to know many of you on uh, some level. So I'm sincere when I say I care about what happens to you not those of you already successful I, I don't really give you guys much thought I'm, I'm talking to the strugglers here I'm talking to the strugglers one day hopefully all of us maybe not all of us sadly some of us though we will win and I think it will mean more because we've known what it is to lose you know we we have a, a prime minister 15 minutes down the road from me who you know he tells us all that we're all in it together we're not uh, that's a lie uh, a lot of us are in this alone we fight on because if we don't then all is lost you know there there, there have been shows though where i've i've realized you know from listeners that you know listeners are, have been rooting for me and i'm rooting for you you know i'm rooting for you now to to turn this around whatever you need to turn around you know you can do it i leave you with the words of our disgraced uh, fire warden enjoy life embrace it treat each new day as a new beginning Follow me on Twitter at 1607westegg, uh, the blog 1607westegg.wordpress.com. Once I'm back on the uh, stand-up circuit, I'll uh, post details on there and also on the Facebook page. If there are any developments in terms of sponsorship uh, for the show, I will let you know. Thanks for listening. It kept me coming back. I'm Daniel Ruiz Tyson. Good hair is never enough. It never was. And this is goodbye, I think.